Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So one part of the Jewish people looked at him and saw him as very dear and they called him our sanctuary that we run into. Another part of the Jewish people looked at him and saw him as very offensive and called him a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. These were two groups of the Jewish people. When you look at Rachel and Jacob, we've got to see them as representing two groups in the Jewish people. Rachel, one group of the Jewish people, looks at her son and says, I see Benoni, the son of my sorrow, the, the son of my pain. Another group of Jewish people represented by Jacob. Jacob, he looks at him and says, I don't see that. I see the son of my right hand. I see the son of my power. Just as one group of the Jewish people looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and they say, I see a Jewish person who caused me sorrow and pain. And another smaller group represented by Jacob of Jewish people looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I see my sanctuary. I see my dear refuge. When Rachel looked at her son, and she called him the son of my sorrow, the son of my pain. She was saying, he has caused my sorrow and pain. You know, when we talk to Jewish people, when I talk to Jewish people, anybody talks about Jewish people, about becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they inevitably go to their history. And they talk about the Crusaders, and they talk about the Inquisition, and all the death and the sorrow and the sadness and the pain. And what they say is that all those people did that to them in the name of Christ. So therefore, they are saying that a Jewish man, you know, that's the Lord Jesus Christ they're talking about, a Jewish man caused their sorrow and pain, just like Rachel said that her son caused her sorrow and pain. Now, Peter explains this more to us of why He's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And if you want, I'd like to turn to it at 1 Peter 2.7. 1 Peter 2.7, we can look at this verse together. 1 Peter 2.7, because Peter here, he helps us understand why were they offended? Because he tells us in 1 Peter 2.7 and 8. First of all, he says, unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. That's a name. That's the Jacob name for Benjamin. He's precious. Call him precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed or rejected or refused, the same as the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, that's the Rachel name for Benjamin, the son of my pain, he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, either to them that stumble at the word, being disobedient 
whereunto they were appointed. Because they stumble at the word. That's what he's saying. Peter's saying, because he stumbled at the word. He's speaking about the cornerstone here, the cornerstone of a building from which the whole building gets its direction. The cornerstone of a building, it sticks out at the corner. You ever been in, it's not so much here, but you know those big buildings in Washington, D.C., you know, they got this big cornerstone that sticks out. You better be careful. You're going to walk right into it because it sticks out from the building. Now, for us, the Lord Jesus Christ is precious because we believe, we've chosen to build our lives on him as our cornerstone by obeying the word of God. But for them, it's like they're running along and they hit this big stone sticking out of the side of the building, gets in their way. They stumble at it. And when they consider a Jewish person believing on on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like... um, a couple days ago. I don't remember. It's Thursday or Friday. But anyway, I was, in, I was getting ready to go to the elevator to visit one of my many doctors, <laughs> the cardiologist. Anyway, and um, there's this lady, and she's in a motorized wheelchair, and, and she's you know, coming on her lines, and, and, and she has this accent, and I said, where are you from? You know, okay, it's from New York. And I said, oh, okay, are you Jewish? Yes, of course. And she says, you know, and anyway. And so then, you know, I reached for my pocket, and uh, I said, well, I got something to give you. I got a great treasure to give you. Well, you're sort of a little book. How a Jew came to know and put his trust, and she's reading, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus, she said. She gives it back. She said, no, I won't take it. I said, are you sure? Yes. And so I was standing outside the elevator. She was still in the elevator because I got off my floor. She was going up higher. And so the door was starting to shut. I said, you're absolutely sure because the door's shutting. I said, on your opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, just like this elevator door. She said, no. The way she looked at me, when she saw, oh, yeah, how would you came to know? Oh, that looks nice. But when she saw the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, she was offended. And she was offended. And that's where this word is so interesting here when it says here, it says the Greek word for offense in the verse we're looking at in First Peter is the word scandalon, scandalon from where we get the word scandal. You know, in my home, when I was growing up, I understood exactly why she did that, because in my home, when I was growing up, no one was allowed to say the name of Jesus or Christ or Jesus Christ. It was a scandal. It was scandalous to say that name. And the meaning here, the word, uh, the underlying meaning of this word scandalon in Greek is that it's a trap, you know, like a spring-loaded mousetrap. You approach it and touch it, it will snap and it'll shut and it'll kill you. So the idea behind scandal on here is that if you approach the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a trap that'll shut on you and hurt you. Just like like Rachel. Just like Rachel when she called her son, son of my sorrow, son of my pain. He brings sorrow. He brings pain. But but Jacob says, no, son of my right hand, son of my power. So Jewish believers in Israel, they're like Jacob. Jacob. And they look at the Lord Jesus Christ like Jacob looked at Benjamin. And Jacob looked at Benjamin and says, the son of my right hand. Jewish believers call the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua, which means salvation. But Jewish non-believers in Israel, they're like Rachel. And they look at Benjamin and they say, son of my sorrow. And Jewish non-believers call the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't say Yeshua. They say Yeshu, Yeshu, which is an acronym. Yeshu is an acronym for so what that means is the first word is Yamach means obliterate, obliterate, wipe out. Shmo is means his name, his name, and Zikro and his memory. 
So what, what they're saying when they say Yeshu is that, it, is that they're saying, may his name and memory be obliterated, be wiped away, erased. And so they call him Yeshu. It's like Rachel called him son of my sorrow, son of my pain. And, and believers call him Yeshua, which is, which is salvation. It's like Jacob called him son of my right hand. That's why Jews for Jesus, when, they're, when they have, hold out their big banners, they say, you know, uh, Yeshu equals, they have equal sign, Yeshua. <laughs> That's what they were to do. All right. Both groups are Jewish. But just like Rachel and Jacob, they look at the same person, the Lord Jesus Christ, just like, just like Rachel and Jacob look at the same son. One group, just like Rachel, curse him with the name, you know, may his name, son of my sorrow, may his name and, and memory be obliterated. He caused me sorrow and pain. Other group, just like Jacob, looking at him calls him salvation. Now, you're looking for Peter, and I got a question for you. How did they stumble? What did they do? Look at this verse in First Peter and tell me, how did they stumble? How does the verse say they stumbled? At the word, and specifically by being disobedient. So when it comes to the word of God, there's a critical crossroad that comes in, whether or not to obey it. The Lord Jesus Christ described, okay, when a person sees the word of God, there's two steps. There's two steps. He says that in John 13, 17. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. He didn't say, you be happy if you know it, if you know the word of God. Happiness comes when you obey the word of God. And this is how they stumbled at the word, by not being obedient to the word. They loved the teaching of the Lord Jesus. Oh, it was interesting teaching. But in his word, when he started to tell them that they had to stop looking at women to lust after them, they had to stop being angry and calling people fools. He stumbled because, oh, that's too much. They didn't want to obey the word. They didn't love him enough to obey him. They didn't love him enough with all their heart and their soul and their mind. And that was their stumbling that led them to not be obedient to his word. And then they became appointed to punishment. They became appointed to punishment. Now, Romans 9 is the chapter where Paul explains that he has got a continual broken heart. Inside Paul, there was a broken heart. Inside Paul, there was a great heaviness. And Romans 9 explains why. He says in Romans 9, 1 through 3, he tells the truth in Christ. He starts out, I lie not, my conscience also bury me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. It's what the Yiddish called suros. It's the sorrow of the heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse for Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So Paul is just heartbroken over what happened to the Jewish people. He said, this is such a tragedy over what happened to the Jewish people. And then he takes three chapters, Romans 9, 10, 11, to explain what happened to the Jewish people, many things. But one of the things that happened to the Jewish people, he explains in Romans 9.30, when he says, what should we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness, which is a faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. See, the key word in those verses there is attained. Attained, which means, you know, they reached, they obtained, they got to. 
and the subject is righteousness. So the Jewish people did not reach righteousness, but the Gentile believers did reach righteousness. Why? This is so amazing. Why did the Gentile believers reach the state of righteousness and the Jewish people did not reach the state of righteousness? I mean, verses 30 and 31 of Romans 9, it tells us that the reason that the Gentiles reach righteousness and the and, and the Jewish people did not reach righteousness is because the Gentiles weren't trying to reach righteousness. And the Jewish people were trying to reach righteousness. I mean, what? I mean, that means the Gentiles were not trying to reach righteousness, and they did. And the Jewish people were trying to reach righteousness, and they didn't. That seems, to, this is like, what does this mean? Because when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were really only interested in being forgiven for our sins and being cleansed from our sins. You know, we weren't into, we weren't saying, you know, we weren't thinking about righteousness. But the Lord gave us the gift of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us righteousness. So believers, who are mainly Gentiles, came to God, worried about not being forgiven, plagued by their own inward defilement. They believed in, into, they believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, and they found the forgiveness and the cleansing they wanted, but they also found that in Christ, they had the righteousness of God imputed on them. So the offer to be forgiven and cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ was offered to them, to the Jewish people, but they refused it. And instead, they said, no, I got my own way. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to reach righteousness on my own. I'm going to keep the law. And that's what it means when it says in Romans 9.32, they stumbled at that stumbling stone. That stumbling stone is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So, and it says in Romans 9.33 that God says, I lay in Zion this stumbling stone and this rock of offense, and whosoever believeth him or believeth into him shall not be ashamed. So we're trying to build our lives. Everybody wants to build a life that's acceptable to God. Okay, we're trying to build our lives acceptable to God. So God says, okay, I lay in Zion a stone. That stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to, God says, build your lives on him. You know, build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? He says like that. He doesn't say like that, but anyway, that's how the song goes. <laughs> because by believing into him, he becomes the chief cornerstone for our lives, just like the wise man who built his house on the rock. But when the Lord lays in Zion, the Lord Jesus, as the stone, the Jewish people look at him, the stone, and it says in Psalm 118.22, Psalm 118.22, the stone which the builders refused become the head Stone of the corner. So the builders look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and when they consider him, they say, okay, let's just consider him. Maybe we should build our, our lives on him. They say, okay, oh, no, we can't do that. Well, we have to reject him. Why? Because of the way he came into the world. He was born in a barn. You know? <laughs> they rejected him. Why? Because of the town he grew up. He, was, he grew up in Nazareth. You know, in, in John 1, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Okay, maybe we should consider him. They rejected him. Why? Because he was a carpenter's family. No offense, Clint. <laughs> Matthew 13, 54. When he was coming to his own country, he taught them in a synagogue, and so much that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? His mother named Mary and brethren and so forth, and they were offended in him. They rejected him. Why? He didn't own a house. He didn't own a place. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He says in Matthew 8, 20, he says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but me, son of man, hath not where to lay his head. They rejected him because they looked at his followers and they said, who are these people? They're a bunch of ragtag fishermen. 
stinky fishermen. Fish guts all over them. You know, he said, no, we got to join with those people. Are you kidding? They looked at him. They considered accepting him. They rejected him because he ate and drank with who? Sinners. It says in Matthew 9, 11, it came to pass that Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? We got to follow him. We got to sit with them. Yeah. They rejected him because he exposed, he condemned their hypocrisy. In Matthew 23, 27, he had a word for him. He says, uh, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchers. You're like whited coffins, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Apart from that, he was very complimentary to them. <laughs> they rejected him because he exposed, he condemned their moral defilement. He says, you know, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. In essence, rebuking their pride. And he was saying, you've got to abandon your pride if you're going to follow me. And you've got to deny yourself. He says in Matthew 16, 24, he said to his disciples, if any man will come after him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. They rejected him because they, they found that the gospel, it just didn't require them to do some great thing. They needed to do some great thing that God could pat them on the back and say, good job. Some great act of righteousness. They found the gospel just too simple. Just believing like Naaman the leper, who is not told to do some great thing, only dip in this muddy river, this Jordan River, and it's talked about it. And someone has to bring him down to his senses, one of his men. And in 2 Kings 5.13, 2 Kings 5.13, servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet did bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? And for all these reasons and more, they said, no. And they made this tragic decision to refuse him and not build their lives on him as the cornerstone, and so he becomes the rock of offense. But believers didn't refuse him. Instead, they believed into him. He became the headstone of the corner of their lives. So just as Benjamin has two names, one of irritation, it is irritation, son of my sorrow, son of my pain, and the other of great blessing, son of my right hand, the same way. You see these in Romans 9.33 and Psalm 118.22, he's got these two names. He's, the, he's an irritation with the name Stumbling Stone. I keep tripping over him. Why do I always hear about him? Well, you should see when we go door to door, if you want to see irritation, you'll see irritation, all right. He says, he's son of my irritation, rock of offense. He's offensive. And one of the uh, Summer Blitz students did a video question, and she said, and she asked me a question. She said, Jewish people say we are offending them. What should I say? I said, well, you say the Bible says that, yes, he is a rock of offense. I said, so, so like Benjamin, he's got two names. And the Lord Jesus Christ has two names, offense and refuge. And we've been listing all the reasons why they rejected him. But the biggest reason, what was the biggest reason? It's the way he died. The way he died. 1 Corinthians one twenty three. 1 Corinthians one twenty three. 1 Corinthians one twenty three. We preach Christ crucified. Oh. Under the Jews, a stumbling block, and the, the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. Oh, son of my power. And the wisdom of God. See, the greatest offense was that he was crucified. It's the offense of the cross. It's the offense of the blood. The blood. It has started, the offense of the blood started with Cain. He saw Abel bringing a sacrifice of animals, shedding the blood to God, and he's offended at Abel. He kills him. 
when the blood is shed as a sacrifice, there's this deep recognition. I did something that cost life. I did something really bad. I, caught, I did something that made blood shed. I got a lot of guilt. I'm so unworthy. But the fruit offering that came, it's not a sacrifice that recognizes some life-killing tragedy of sin. You know, John the baptizer, he sees the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, John 1, He says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And right away, he's calling back to Exodus 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, where God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about what had happened to him, so it was going to happen to him, so, so men would not perish in John 3, 14, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish but have everlasting life, have eternal life. So this healing, saving power that's in his blood, it's like the threshold of God's house. It's like a threshold of God. No one enters God's house without receiving this healing, saving power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sacrifice for his sins, like it says in Leviticus 17.11 says that, I've given you the blood on the altar. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. That's why he said in Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, when he took bread and gave thanks and, and break it, he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in Luke 22, 20, then Luke twenty two twenty, next verse, likewise, the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new Testament of my blood, which is shed for you. So just as the Passover blood is the threshold into the house of God. God sets the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ at the threshold of his house. When a person stumbles at the cross and at the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he trips. He trips on the threshold. He can't enter the house. And so salvation is, is a repentance. It's a repentance of going from one name of Benjamin to the other name of Benjamin. I saw him as son of my sorrow, son of my pain. Now, and I stumbled and I rejected the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to heal me, to save me, for my sin. Now, he's not son of my sorrow anymore. Now he's son of my right hand. I cling to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live under his power. I want it to heal me. I want him to save me. I want him to keep me. And so he says, and because I recognize it in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 23, when it says Christ crucified, we preach Christ crucified. Substitute that name Christ for Messiah. We preach Messiah crucified. Substitute that word Messiah for sent. We preach sent one crucified which means God sent him to be crucified. To the Jews, this is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. So just like Benjamin has two names, son of my sorrow, son of my right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ has two sets of names. One set is stumbling block, foolishness, and the other is the power of God and wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the fact, Lord Jesus, that you have graciously brought us from one name to the other. And we call you precious. We call you refuge. We call you sanctuary. We call you our power in our weakness. That's who you are to us. Others, we know what they call you, but we say, no, we are not of them. Thank you, Lord, for being our refuge and sanctuary in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Start 2017 off right at Sunday Night Church. Join Bible teacher Tom Cantor on New Year's Day for evening worship at the Friendship with God Fellowship Services located at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Sunday, January 1st, it's the first day of the new year, but also the last day of Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights. To commemorate Hanukkah, we'll have a menorah lighting, amazing soft guignot desserts, latkes, Hanukkah music, history of Hanukkah, and Hanukkah dreidel games and more. Our food and dessert fellowship starts at 4.30 p.m., and then 5.30 p.m., we'll hear an inspiring New Year's Bible message from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. If you're not in San Diego, you can live stream services and watch messages at friendshipwithgod.org. Celebrate 2017 and the last night of Hanukkah with dreidels, drinks, desserts, and more on Sunday evening worship with Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship located at the Creation and Earth History Museum on Woodside Avenue North in Santee. Call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.